You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. I want to read to you a quote from A.W. Tozer that we read last week. For those of you who weren't able to be with us last week, we started a series called Awaken. I believe this is the hope for our nation and for our world. Yes, Jesus is our hope and Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. But I do believe that the church has fallen asleep from understanding what the truth and the promises of God tells us about the Holy Spirit. If indeed we are his people, his church, which his spirit resides, then we should probably have a full understanding of the Holy Spirit so that we can invite him and give him access to do what he has desired and designed to do. Now this quote, you would think that this was written in our culture this year, but this is about 100 years old of a quote. Look at this, we may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low. We're asleep. How many believe that the fate of our nation rests on the shoulders of the church? If that's the case, we need to wake up and become the church that we see is possible in scripture. We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus of the things of the spirit is all but gone. And can I say this? We have been given a window of time by God's grace and mercy that I believe is right what this is talking about. Our time on earth is short. When Jesus left the earth, promised the Holy Spirit and the church of Jesus Christ began to spread all over the world. That was the mark of the end times, but Jesus even said there will be an end to the end times. We're closer to the end than we were yesterday. And if that is true, we have a window of opportunity before it's too late. The church, those who call themselves Christians, have a very serious responsibility to awake to what's happening around them and supernaturally. We have imitated the world, Lord forgive us. We've sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord and produce a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole reason of doing this series, the purpose of this series is to awaken us to the truth of the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose of this series, to awaken us to the truth of the Holy Spirit and not stop there. We can't stop there and just be awakened by believing in the Holy Spirit. It's not enough. Wait a minute, isn't grace, I mean, isn't 
what Jesus did enough? Yes, that's salvation. Salvation, it's those who believe in their hearts that Jesus came in the flesh as God, lived a sinless life that you couldn't live, died a sacrificial sinner's death that he didn't deserve, was dead and buried, but on the third day, by the power of the Holy Spirit, raised him to life. If you believe that and you have received Jesus as Lord, the Holy Spirit's all a part of that process, by the way. Next, uh, not next week, but the week after, we will talk about that. The truth, awaken to the Holy Spirit. That's what I was saying. Believing is not enough. You see, we can have the Holy Spirit within us because of salvation. But so often, like the illustration I gave last Sunday of if you had a plane, your life is, a, a, you, you know, you, you travel on an airplane and, and you get the pilot that you want, the best pilot, and you put them in the cockpit of your plane, but you tell them there's only a few buttons that they can push. And there's only a few different things that they can have access to. We've done that to the Holy Spirit. And so we need to awaken not only to the truth of the Holy Spirit, but we need to awaken to how we give permission and how we relate to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Usually the second service is way more energetic than the first, but hopefully you'll wake up soon. All right, we wanna awaken to the truth of the Holy Spirit and to be transformed by giving him complete access to your life. Can we be honest? And I know some of you are absolutely being quiet because you're taking this in and so I get it. This is a lot to take in. And honestly, everything is at stake right now. Would you believe that? Everything's at stake. And the church, if we don't get it right this time, I'm very concerned for the state of the church in our nation. But there's hope. And he is called the Holy Spirit. I think we need to be honest. I feel like, We've taken the third member of the Godhead Trinity, and we'll talk about that in a minute of who he is. But we've taken that, that part and we have pushed the Holy Spirit out. We've ignored it. Very few people, some people have come up to me and said, I've never heard a pastor talk about the truth and the biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thinking, what? It's part of the Great Commission. You cannot do anything of spiritual value without the Holy Spirit in you and through you. You cannot do anything supernatural in this life without the supernatural presence of God active, living, and breathing inside of you. And yet, we just put him in a locked closet in our life, and we never talk about it because we're afraid we're going to step on other people's toes, and other Christians of other denominations just don't see it the way that we see it. And when we even mention the word Holy Spirit, people cringe inside. The Holy Spirit isn't something to be afraid of. The Holy Spirit is all consuming in the Christ in Christ Jesus. You're not afraid of Christ Jesus, are you? No, you love him. Well, the only way you love him is because the Holy Spirit made it possible for you. Okay? I'm getting off my notes again. 
I believe that the hope for this nation is when Christians start to wake up and truly seek the presence of God, the face of God. So I'm just going to take a time out and I'm going to, uh, I decided this morning um, that we're going to make public on Wednesday nights, a night of prayer. This is something that we have been doing for, thank you. This is something that we have been doing for three months now, four months now. I would say in the past six months, God has been making it very clear that this is a season of revival, meaning spiritual renewal, the church waking up. God is moving in mighty ways through the power of his spirit. Do you believe that blind eyes can still be opened? Do you believe that deaf ears can be unlocked? Do you believe that the crippled can walk? Do you believe that there is life after death? I mean, God is moving. We just have to look for him and pursue him. Second Chronicles 714 has been the scripture that I've been clinging to. By the way, you don't know this probably, but for about four years, I've been praying for revival in this church. I've been praying that our church would get to a point where they would be hungry for God. Hungry enough to where they begin to change the way they live. Hungry enough to actually prioritize what they say is important in their lives. In just about six months, God started bringing people. You may see new faces here. And I would say at least three to five of them have come up to me individually. They're part of our intercessory prayer team or they're now serving, but God specifically told, I'm not making this up, told them to leave what they're doing, to leave where they're attending and to come to elevation because he's about to do something here. It's happening, but nothing will happen beyond our availability and pursuit to pray and seek his face. If you really are afraid for this nation, if you truly are concerned about the state of this world, if you really are absolutely frightened about what is entering our schools and our government buildings, you will fall on your face in prayer. And for about three months now, there's been a prayer ministry team of about eight to 12 people, three times a week, right here in this sanctuary, on their faces, on their knees, praying. And we want you to join us. We're gonna open it now for people, but there are some Stipulations. Number one, you come as you are at six o'clock. If you're late past six, the front doors will be locked, but you can still get in on the side doors. The sanctuary is becoming quiet. It will be dark. There'll be people on their face. There'll be people on their knees. Some of you are already saying, uh-oh, they've turned Pentecostal. No, we haven't. What we have turned to is the face of God. I will not associate with any denomination just because it feels or looks like something. Every denomination may, be, may have started pure in the spirit and pure in heart, but the problem with denominations is man, man, humankind, 
sinful, fleshly people get their hands all over it. And what became a true movement empowered by the Holy Spirit now has different campuses of churches that are hurting people by not operating biblically or under the conviction that that denomination once started. Would you agree? So I don't want a denomination, friends. I want an upper room experience with the Holy Spirit. And not just an event. I want the Holy Spirit to consume me and overwhelm me to the point where my life is transformed and changed. And it can happen for you as well. And it's going to look different as we go through this series. We're going to understand what the function looks like, how the Holy Spirit wants to move, the gifts and all those different things. Hold on with me. Buckle up tight. Don't send me letters yet. Stay with us. Keep coming. And God is going to rock your world as you start to understand more and more of what's available to you because of Christ Jesus. So I invite you to come. We are not circling up and praying together. You come to seek the face of God. I would even encourage you, don't come to pray your list of requests. Seek not his hand on Wednesday nights. Seek his face. We don't pray for healings. We don't really pray for miracles in this revival. We pray that we would seek God's face and his presence would be experienced here to change us. We're not gonna take attendance. We're not gonna force you to come. This is only for people who really uh, are drawn to stop and seek God's face. This is not a time for fellowship or Bible study. It's a time to just individually seek God's face, okay? So that's a plug that I just wanted to share, but I believe in the heart of this series, you can believe and you can receive the Holy Spirit, but if you don't personally give him space It's like having a child and saying that they are welcomed and you want a relationship with them, but you lock them into their room and they can never come out. We've done that to the Holy Spirit. And I believe it's time for the church to wake up and do differently. So now that all that said, the title of today's message is who in the world is the Holy Spirit? Who in the world? is the Holy Spirit. Denominations have misunderstood it, misinterpreted it. You go to any different church, they're gonna have a different opinion, a different perspective. There's different ways of approaching the Holy Spirit to all these things. And so today, I, I simply wanna do this. I wanna go to scripture. I wanna go, go to truth, okay? And I want to define who the Holy Spirit is, so we understand because Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. It's not just for the early church, it's for anyone who wants to live supernaturally. It's anyone who is tired of being dead in their flesh and wants to be new, alive in the Spirit. Now, it's through Christ. Christ is the only way. And what we're gonna see in a moment is the Holy Spirit works with Christ. Whew. 
So let's turn our Bibles to John 14. If you have them, you might have your Bible app. I would love for you guys to personally engage with the Word of God yourselves. By the way, I'd love to welcome those who are joining us live stream. We are so glad to have you. Jesus says this before he leaves the earth. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Being saved by Jesus Christ is through believing and receiving. Can we all agree? To live and grow like Christ, believing's not enough. Believing's not enough. We have to walk in step with the Spirit, and in order to obey the commandments, these aren't commandments we can obey in the power of the flesh. We cannot. It has to be through the Holy Spirit that we can even obey the commandments. So if you love Jesus, you need, you need to obey. Want to obey? You need to receive the Holy Spirit. Or shall I say, you need to activate and give permission to the Holy Spirit. I'm opening a can for a couple weeks. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you, one scripture says, a gift. A gift. Who doesn't like gifts? God the Father says, if you are adopted into my family through Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you a gift. It's called the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says it's to your advantage that I go, so that the Holy Spirit can come and reside in every believer. And he will give you another advocate, a helper, who will never leave you. You see, Jesus was God in the flesh, but he wasn't necessarily simultaneously everywhere. And we're gonna see that in a moment. That's the Holy Spirit, the presence of God that can simultaneously be anywhere and everywhere. It's the presence of God who leads us into all truth. He is the Holy Spirit. The world cannot receive him. So therefore, only people who believe and receive in Jesus Christ can recognize him and receive him. But you know him because he lives with you now. And later, Jesus is referring to the upper Pentecost. He will be in you. Who is the Holy Spirit? I'm gonna give you three things. Number one is the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead Trinity. We see him in creation throughout the Old Testament. Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit that will be in us and never leave us. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was still available. It would come for a purpose and then sometimes it would leave. We're gonna see a little bit more as we dive into this in the coming weeks of what that looks like. But for today, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity fully united with Jesus, God the Father and God the Son. If 
the Holy Spirit is God, he must, he must have the characteristics of God. Can we agree here that only God has the characteristics of God? Right? There's one God and he's not me and he's not you. But if it's God, here's the measuring stick, they will have specific characteristics. Let's look and see how the Holy Spirit can be called God. Number one, the Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is eternal, having no beginning and no end. He's eternal. He was there from the beginning. He was there. He was a partaker of creation. He hovered the waters. Spirit hovered the earth, was a part of the creation. The Holy Spirit is eternal. He has been present forever. He has no beginning, no end, and he's always been and always will be. So he is eternal. We also can see in scripture that the Holy Spirit is all present. The biblical word that we see in a lot of translations is omnipresent. The Holy Spirit is all present, meaning present everywhere simultaneously. He is God. He is eternal. He is all present. present. Psalms 139 says, where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence, If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. No matter where you are today, friends, the Holy Spirit is with you. Nothing can separate you from the Holy Spirit when you are in Christ. So fear not for those of you who have a fear of being alone in life, If you have Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you will never be alone. He is always with you. You have not been abandoned. He is eternal. He is all present. The Holy Spirit is all knowing. You believe that? Scripture says it. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 11. It says this, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. There it is. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For whom among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We see the thoughts of God, the word of God in the Bible, right? Who wrote it? Well, people were obedient, but it was the presence, the Holy Spirit bringing life to the words of God. And Jesus Christ then comes in flesh, God in flesh, the son of God. And what is he called? The living word. It all works together. It's beautiful. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. He is eternal. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient, all-knowing, and he is omnipotent, all-powerful. Don't believe me? Let's look at 2 Peter 
chapter 1, verse 3. It says, his divine power. Can you just say divine power with me? Ready? Divine power. You know what that word in Greek means? It's dunamos in Greek. And in English, it is translated to dynamite. That's where we get the English word dynamite. It is powerful and all powerful. God has given us everything we need through his Holy Spirit, which is his divine power. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. This power is shown in Acts 1.8 where Jesus, before he ascends to the Father, leaves in the flesh, goes to sit on the right hand of the Father. He says, go and wait. And then he says, you will receive dynamite. Spiritual, supernatural, God-given, Holy Spirit-breathed power for the purpose of kingdom ministry, being Jesus's witnesses on this earth. And then in Romans 8, Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It says that same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's dynamite power when the Holy Spirit resides in a believer. It's that same power that we'll see in a couple weeks from the Holy Spirit that changes us from our flesh, our dead person, and raises us, resurrects us anew in Christ. That is dynamite power through the Holy Spirit. He is eternal. The Holy Spirit is all-present, all-knowing, all-powerful. He is God. Number two. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. The Holy Spirit is a divine person. And just like a person, like we saw in Jesus in flesh form, he has a mind, he has emotions, and he has a will. How do we know this? Well, we look at the mind, the emotion, and the will in Scripture, and it says that the Holy Spirit can be quenched. The Holy Spirit can be put out like a fire extinguisher on a fire on the way we live. Don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Don't give him permission. We quench the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in Acts seven fifty one can be resisted. Paul says, you stiff-necked people, Resisting the spirit as your forefathers did. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. And the Holy Spirit is grieved by his children who live one foot inside the church and one foot in the world. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we are living a life of consistent sin and rejection of God. I love this about the person of the Holy Spirit. It's a book called The Reset by Jeremy Riddle. Get it, get it, get it. I usually don't promote books all the time from the stage. This is one to get. He is a worship leader 
He has been transformed by the presence of God and the mission of God to reset the kingdom of what we call the church, of how we do church. And he says this, this may seem very basic and elementary, but if we don't keep the presence connected to the person of the Holy Spirit, if we don't keep the presence connected to the Holy or to the person of the Holy Spirit, we will miss the invitation to know him and to move with him. He is not a mist. The Holy Spirit is not a cloud or a vibe or an atmosphere. He is a person of the Godhead Trinity. When we say the presence came so strong in my life, what we're really meaning is the person of the Holy Spirit came upon us strong in our lives. Just like when my presence, Pastor Phil, is never disconnected from my person. I'm never disconnected from my nature and who I am as a person. Neither is the Holy Spirit. We do very harmful things when we dehumanize people and we endanger ourselves in the same way when we impersonalize the person of the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is a divine person. And number three, he has a divine purpose here on earth in the life of every believer. He has a divine purpose. I'm gonna break it down into three things, but these aren't all. There are so many different purposes that we're gonna look at through this series that the Holy Spirit wants to uh, accomplish in our lives. But I just wanna give us three for today. Number one is the Holy Spirit has a purpose. He wants to be your helper. How many know that you can't do this life alone? You need help, especially anything of spiritual value we cannot even muster in the flesh. And yet we try, and then we wonder why we're burnt out and exhausted and frustrated, and then we blame God for it, right? The Holy Spirit is designed to be our helper. Jesus even said, if I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come and help you teach you and counsel you. He is our helpmate. Why are you trying to do life in your own strength? He's your helper, your helper. Let's look at John 16, verse seven. We're gonna, uh, uh, no, go back, please. Uh, John 16, verse seven. We're gonna be in John 16 for these three points. So you can turn there if you'd like. Nevertheless, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I do go away, the helper will come. And the helper came indeed and now never leaves because that's a promise that Jesus has given us. How many know that life can be a struggle? Some of you are feeling like all the odds are against you. Feels like you're swimming upstream your entire life. You're exhausted. You're treading water. Jesus promised it. He says, you will have many heartaches, pain, sickness, trouble, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. How did he overcome the world? By the power of the Holy Spirit raising him from the dead. He is our helper. And so he's there when we experience moments in our day where we're fearful, fearful, 
where we're worrying and we're anxious, when we're afraid, when we're down and depressed and when we're lonely and when we're struggling and when we need wisdom and when we need comfort, he is there. How often do you cry out for your helper? Some of you ask for help, but we ask for help in all the wrong places. We ask for help from all the wrong people. And then some of us, we don't ask for help at all. And the Holy Spirit's just, I'm right here. Look, I'm here to help. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to counsel you. I'm here to lift you up. Will you let me? Will you let me? Will you let the Holy Spirit be your helper in your life? Now, now listen, if you don't wanna live a life of any spiritual value, you don't have to count on the helper. But if you want a life of spiritual value and impact for God, you need the Holy Spirit to be your helper. Number two in this purpose of the Holy Spirit, he wants to be our helper, but he also wants to be our guide. He wants to guide us in truth. Truth. We live in a culture that says there is no truth anymore. It's just whatever you identify with. Uh-oh. It's whatever you think is truth is truth. No, there is absolute truth and it's founded in God's word inspired by the Holy Spirit. It will never change. It will never come back empty. It's truth. We can take it to the bank every time and it will never, ever bounce. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Jesus said this. We believe Jesus' words, don't we? We wanna be marked as a follower of Jesus. He says, you need the spirit to guide you in truth. Yet what does our culture look to for truth? Google. You do. I do. You just need to know what the right source is. We go to social media. We exhaust all of our options to seek answers for the questions we have. And the Holy Spirit's just sitting in his compartment in your life. I will, you want truth. I'm the one to guide you into truth. I inspired the word. I know it. Look at this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Truth must dictate our culture, not the opposite. The church was designed to drive the culture. Now we look back the last hundred years, if we rewind it, we see how the culture has driven the church. We need to reset and it starts by relying on the Holy Spirit and giving him permission to do his job and to be who he is. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to be our helper, to guide us in truth, and lastly, to glorify Jesus in everything. Look at this scripture. He will glorify me meaning the Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus Christ for he will take what is mine, his Christ's inheritance, and declare it 
to you. You want to know your identity in Christ? You need the Holy Spirit because he glorifies Jesus Christ. You want to live a life that glorifies Jesus? You need the Holy Spirit to be in the driver's seat. The Holy Spirit is the only way you can please God through faith. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. It is a gift from the Father to you. And yet we run away from it every time it's mentioned. Hmm. So I'd like to close with a quote again from Jeremy Riddle's book. And I think if it did me, it may do to you, it hit me square between the spiritual eyes. Many of us have tragically trained, have been tragically trained to see the Holy Spirit as optional, extra Christian experience reserved only for the charismatics or a super spiritual, or super spiritual, excuse me. Many more have unknowingly limited him to a one-time encounter that happened during an altar call, a ministry time, or a youth camp. But the Holy Spirit is infinitely more is infinitely more than that. He is the abiding relationship. He is the abiding relationship. Every believer was meant to walk in every day of their lives. How's that going for you? Now that you realize that, that's what you aim for. When you get out of bed, Holy Spirit, Come and consume me. All that I am, I give you permission. My life is yours. The one given to us by the Father is the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to fill us, to convict us, to comfort us, to teach us, to commune with us and empower us to fulfill our purpose here on earth. We were never meant to do life or ministry or leadership without the Holy Spirit. John 14, the series scripture that we started this sermon with. If you love me, you will obey me. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, a helper, someone who will teach you and guide you into all truth. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you. And at the moment of Pentecost, now he is available to be in every believer. Now, I understand we didn't answer all questions. Now you're hooked and you'll be back, right? But let us just pray for a minute. As you're taking this all in, as the band comes forward, where are you with all this? Yes, I've asked Jesus into my life. Yes, I do believe that he died to save me and he's Lord of my life. I don't really understand the Holy Spirit, how it works. I want to experience him, but I'm just not sure. Maybe you've never asked Jesus 
to be Lord of your life and you've never given him permission to take the deadness of your sin and resurrect you to new life. There's no crazy prayer. It's a sincere cry to God to save you from this body of death, to save us and resurrect us from the curse of sin into new life with Jesus. That only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as we continue in this series and you continue to walk this journey of pressing in to the word of God, pressing into the person and the example that we see in scripture of Jesus and pressing in to more of, of uh, giving more access of, to the Holy Spirit in your life. We just pray, Holy Spirit, awaken us to who you are. Show us where we have closed the doors and limited access to you. I pray you'd move in this moment, God. I pray that you push all distractions away. We welcome your Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts. Do what only you can do. This is your time. This is your stage. Just take some deep breaths. Just with each breath, surrender to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the presence of God. And during this time of worship, friends, if you want prayer of any kind, for any reason, there will be people on the sides of the sanctuary. You can go to them and just ask for prayer. If you just wanna come and be alone and pursue God on your knees or at the altar, the altar's open. We have some carpet here. Um, you can come and just be with God. No one will bother you. And then after the service, we will also be available to continue ministering to you and to pray for you. Any need at all, the Holy Spirit wants access to your life. So let us respond. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.